we carry on today a little bit with uh, what we left, where we left last week, and um, we're talking about the the importance of praying together, the importance of if we're thinking about these opportunities that God has given to us. Why is it important to pray? And also, we've been thinking about looking at some prayers in the scriptures to say, well, but why, why are they choosing this kind of format? And what is it that we can learn? And mainly, um, last Sunday, we spent um, some time looking at the prayer of Paul for the Ephesians. Um, an early church, well, a new church that has been planted from his missionary journeys, and today we're going to be looking at one of the prayers that Paul has prayed for a church in Thessaloniki, the Thessalonians. And um, just to, to, to give you a little bit of the background, we, we, we need to remember that what, what Paul is doing here and in other places, really, he is addressing a group of people who, who he has had an encounter with recently. And because of their response to the gospel, uh, to the good news of Jesus, he, he feels very responsible for this task. And as we said last week, that, that it's, it, for him it's important to, to, to demonstrate that he's not just looking for numbers of the followers, but he's looking for a quality of the followers of Jesus. So from, from his side of things, he wants to do the utmost to, to give the vibes that actually he cares. Although everywhere he has gone, he has planted a church, he, he has left a group of believers, he cares for them as, as that community in itself. And he's going to do anything possible to, to, to try and to reach out to them. And the, the, the community in Ephesus was reached out by a letter that Paul wrote in prison. He, he didn't have any other opportunities to reach out to them. Of course, he would send other people to go and ask how they were doing. And again, we're talking about a, a different kind of infrastructure because it wasn't as fast as it is today, whether through transport or whether through means of communication. These things weren't there. And therefore, Paul had to be creative in his ways of reaching out to these people. So... Um, when we looked at the prayer that he prayed in, for the Ephesians, it was this, um, this, he was pouring out, uh, I mean, I prayed for, for Wendy, I use those words intentionally uh, to bless Wendy, but also to remind us that that's what we've been praying for you guys this week, but that's also what Paul prayed for the Ephesians. And, and it come, it's a prayer that comes from the heart. And we, we said that in that prayer, the posture was very important. Every time I think of you, I kneel before God. So it's that, that, that eagerness to see God at work in the, in the church in Ephesus. Um, today we're going to see a different attitude of Paul's prayer. If you've got your Bibles... 
We're going to open them at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at verse 9 to 13, but the prayer mainly is the verses 11 to 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses um, 9 to 13. So he is writing to them. He has been wanting to go to Thessalonica, but every time he has tried to go there, to get there, um, as we read in uh, the first chapter, I think it's 118, he says that the the devil has hindered, has stopped him to get there. But he's just wanting to make sure that, guys, I want to come and visit, but I've not been able to come because the devil has... has, has, um, interfered, interrupted. So, then he, he sends Timothy. We can read that after the Jerusalem Council in Acts chapter 17. What happens in Thessalonica? And there is a big riot that happens at the house of Jason. And then all that escalates after that. So, in one sense, Paul is not allowed to go back. And in the same time, Paul makes sure that this community of believers is addressed by other people. So Timothy has gone to visit them, and he comes back flying with news about this community of faith in Thessalonica. So the apostle writes... Well, now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as long as we see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we've been comforted about you through your faith. And then verse 9, for what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in the holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. May God's name be blessed through the public reading of his word. So here's your word, Lord. Come and feed us. Come and nourish us. Come and teach us to pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Paul is doing his really caring duties for this community of faith. And one of the things that he, the great apostle, that comes back to is one of the hardest things that each and every one of, of us faces. It's the prayer. And he, he needs not only to, to, ta- to tell these guys that they ought to pray, but he needs to come to that place that he is modeling something for them. 
And I think if the apostle needed to pray those things, if the apostle Paul needed to pray, how much more do we need it in the 21st century? It's, 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 it's really encouraging to see that actually for Paul is not just a, a mechanical exercise. He prays his heart out. He's on his knees in Ephesians. Here he says, day and night. So he's got this attitude in his heart that he's constantly reminded of this group of believers in Thessaloniki. And all that he can pray for them is this great things. But it's this, this, so, so if in Ephesus he's emphasizing the, the idea of his posture, that he's on his knees, he's saying that he's got this, this grateful attitude, but he's on his toes and he wants to pray for them. He cannot mess around with not praying for the things that are on his heart, that God has put into his attention for the church in Thessaloniki. Now, this is a new church. These are new believers who have just encountered Jesus. And he knows, Paul knows how hard it is. If, if, you, go one, if you flip your uh, Bibles, just one page, and you go to Colossians chapter 4, verse... Um, I've lost it now. It talks about the Oh, verse twelve. It talks about this guy, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Jesus Christ, greets you. So, again, another church in Colossae, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. So Paul wants to say that actually, when when when, when he talks about prayer, is not the easiest thing. That, that comes really natural, but it's a discipline. It's a place that we say, no, we, we do it because we want to show our dependence in God. This week I was meeting with other church leaders, and we were talking about great things that are happening in Bristol. It's great opportunities that churches are having in different parts of the city. And one of the things that came more as a, as a, as a common uh, conversation or a common theme was the difficulty that we find in our churches to pray. How difficult this, this, this discipline, this task, this, this significant part of our lives is. And yet, we want for God to be at move, on move, yet we want our churches to be growing, yet we want for the kingdom of God to come in Bristol. But the common theme is that actually when it comes to prayer, we really struggle. And I have not thought about this for a long time, but I, because I was so inspired about um, Ephesians, and the prayer there, I said to the guys there, I said, one thing that really struck me from this prayer in Ephesians is that when it comes to ministry, it's not about big shoulders, but it's about rubbed knees and scuffed pointed shoes. 
And what we hear here from Paul is also that attitude in heart, that if we wanted to see God at work, we need to get this right. Otherwise, we're not going to go anywhere. And Paul wants them to, to, to know that. So Brueggemann says, we pray because our life comes from God and we yield it back in prayer. Prayer is a great antidote to the illusion that we have that we are self-made. And Paul says, we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. So there is that, that element of care here that Paul brings. You know, you know, he, he's got this desire to go to Thessaloniki, but of course, what does God want? But also he sees that there is an issue there. That they're lacking in their faith. And again, what better place to go to than God to say, well, if this community of faith is lacking in their faith, God, show up. One of the things that we, we, we've started to encourage um, in, in the last three, four months, more so than we've done previously, is the opportunity to, to pray with somebody after the service. And this is not an opportunity to show that, oh, I've got something, I'm in trouble, I need to go to the corner there and have somebody and pray about me because, no, this is natural, this is normal, this is not an opportunity to show who's superior over who, no, this is what we do because in one sense we're seeing here what Paul is saying, that we want those moments for people to impart what is lacking into our faith. So whenever you hear the call to, if you wanted somebody to pray with you, we've got Mark, Liz, and Emma this morning in the back to pray for you. It's not that you guys show off or show up and you just go in the corner and you're the naughty ones. No. <laughs> this is what we are here for. To pray for one another, to bless one another, to impart what is lacking in our faith. And we need one another to do that. Because sometimes you go to those prayer situations with not knowing what's going to happen. And something comes up and you think, whoa, thank you God. And sometimes you don't go to those prayer opportunities. And you regret it all week. You're saying, I should have gone and... You've missed out. But this is what Paul is praying. And I think that's what we pray as the ministry team and the, as, the, as the prayer team in the end. That, that, that they're able to tune their hearts where God is. So they're able to impart to you what is lacking. And to say that something is lacking is not a weakness. Is that we all come, as we said, broken before Jesus. And he is the one who fulfills our faith. He is the one who enables, who equips us in our daily ways of discipleships. 
discipleship. So, going back to Paul's prayer, is that ministry of imparting of that faith that comes from Father God. And I said it's not only about the, pa- the, the posture, yes, it's very important, but it's also about the grateful attitude. Every time we think of you, how can we not thank God for what he has done? And the last four or five weeks, I've been really challenged, and I've said, I've shared it a few times with you, how I, I speak about you guys, how I pray about you guys, and although sometimes there is signs of frustration, that comes across because I'm passionate, and because I want for Cairns Road to be really at its best for God. So the way that I speak to you about others has changed. So when, God, when people ask me, what is God doing at Cairns Road? I don't go on mumbling about you. I, I don't. But I do praise God for his work in our midst. And for his work is in you as individuals. And I feel very privileged to be part of, of this great family called Cairns Road. So glory to God for that. What does he else pray? Oh, he gets very strategic here. And he's doing the same thing that Paul is doing with Ephesians. He says, so for the Ephesians, he prayed that they would know the depths and the heights and the width and whatever, the, of the love of Christ. So that they would encounter this love in its, in its full, incalculable measures. Whereas here, he's being very practical. That unless you show the love for one another, you have not experienced God's love. And that's what we will see in First John as well. But Paul is saying here that actually the, the outworking of that love of God is by the way that you love one another. And this cannot stop. So I cannot say today that we love Wendy and that's it. We've done our job. We've said something We've cared for Wendy for these two years. We've supported Wendy. That's it. No. What Paul is praying here is that these Thessalonians have encountered God's love. He, if you read the, the beginning of the letter, he really affirms them for the love that they've got for one another. But he says, come on, guys. Let's not get satisfied with where you've got. You can grow. You can abound in this love. It's, it's, it's that recognition that God is at work. And we, we daily, uh, weekly need to encounter this love and to abound in it. I love the way he prays. Look at verse, well, verse 10 and, and, and onwards. It says, may the Lord make you increase, verse 12, sorry, make the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you. Why is this important? Why is this significant? Why, 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 why does Paul wishes this, this kind of thing for the Thessalonians? What is it that, that, that has made him come to this place? I think 
Paul knows that as much as prayer is difficult and you need to tune your heart with God's, he knows that the outworking of our discipleship, of being followers of Jesus, is the way that we love one another. And you look at life of Paul and you see and you think, well, actually, he hasn't had it easy either. And to love one another, it's a difficult, blooming hard task. Let's be realistic. Because churches, our community of faith, is made up of people that we have not got a say of who should be in or out. God has got that say. The only say that we've got in this community is how do we choose to grow in our love for one another, no matter how hard it is. So when I talk about the way that I'm praying for cares, for maturity and growth, these are the things that I'm praying for. So when we, when we think about growth, as I've said, I'm not thinking only about numbers. I'm thinking that we ourselves grow in our love for one another. And the way that we grow for one another, love for one another is by the way that we show and experience and get tested and get, get provoked and get irritated and get encouraged. You, 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 you say all the, the adjectives and I, and I would agree. But it has to be an outworking of that love. Otherwise, what's the point? But that needs to be in tune with God's heart. And that's why prayer is paramount. Do you remember how much time Jesus, of all people, spend time talking, being away, um, being separated from big numbers just to go and tune his heart with what the Father was doing. Now, he was God. If we're talking about growth, if we're talking about changes, if we're talking about the direction of the, of the church, how much more do we need to do that? We have not got the time to mess about or mess around. We need to tune our hearts and say, this is what God is saying, and that's what we're going to do it. So when we are encouraging the days of prayer, I'm really, really encouraging you not that you feel guilty about not taking part in these days of prayer. No. What I'm encouraging us to do, as, as well as the elders, is that actually we are serious about this. We acknowledge that God is at work here, and we don't want to do it because of our shoulders, because we're Cairns Road. We want to do it because of our knees. Because we have listened to what God has told us as a church community. And we are going to be obedient till death. So when we are saying these are the slots of prayer. As much as they maybe come across as antisocial hours. I want you to, to really tune your hearts. 
Craig agrees, they are antisocial hours. <laughs> it's taken us four years as elders to come together and pray every morning. It's a blooming hard task. It's thrown our days. You know, out of order, because we've decided that we, we are so serious, we want to pray about this. But can I say something? In the last two weeks that we've prayed, we've seen God answer our prayers, and we have celebrated that fact. They're saying, we prayed about this last Tuesday. This is what happened. And there are some things that I'm, I'm really excited that God is at work because we have prayed and we have acknowledged that God, we want to do this because you are in it, not because we've got a great idea. So, the expectations, to make the, 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 the whole long story short, is that you come and you participate in those prayer slots. And if you're not able, please join with us during the day, during those times. And, 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 and if you think that God is saying something, as we stated on the email, to the church or to you personally uh, about the church, please, please, please do not hold back. We don't want to miss out on, God, on what God is telling us. So join with us as we pray and we say, God, what have you got for us? As Cairns wrote. One thing, the other thing that Paul's prays here is about the holiness of his people. That they will be presented in the day that Jesus returns, blameless, holiness, set apart for God. To be set apart, to be doing only what God is asking them to do. What a fantastic way to pray for a church. And do you know why I love this prayer? It's because one of those prayers in the Bible that you read later on how God has answered it. First Thessalonians chapter Second Thessalonians chapter one verse four. And three, we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters, as it's right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Hallelujah. God answers prayer. So, Lord, we, we, we come to you now. And again, like the disciples in Luke 11, teach us to pray. And we acknowledge, Father God, that this is really hard. But we, we want to do it. And we don't want to do it out of mechanical outworking of our spirituality. We want to do it, Lord, because we know that we need to tune our hearts with you. So would you help us, Lord, to overcome our struggles to pray? 
for one another, for ourselves, for this church, this weeks, and this coming days. Your Holy Spirit is the helper, and He is the one who helps us to pray. And I know, Lord, as a church, we've been encouraged and we've been challenged to be thinking about the gifts of the Spirit. And if this is one of the ways, Lord, that you want to stir us up, Lord, would you help us to learn to pray? Would you help us, Lord, to listen to what you're saying and not just come with shopping lists of things that we need sorted out? And I pray, Jesus, that if you're saying something and it's from you, that we will not mess around with that. We want to thank you for being at work in our midst. We want to thank you for being at work, well, in my life, but in the lives of um, many individuals here. Lord, fill us up with your spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen.